How much are you generating top line right now? How cool would it be to do that bottom line in two to three years or less? Could maybe do it in one year. I want you to hit your number, whatever that is. Achieve your ideal exit. How much more successful would you be if you had lunch once a week with insanely successful entrepreneurs who share their biggest secrets on how they think and achieve success? Grab your seat at the table, because this is Business Lunch with Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice. Welcome to another episode of Business Lunch. And today's a snackable episode with Roland where he's going to get into some more tactical strategies that you can start using to live a rich and happy life. If this is the first snackable episode you're hearing, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of the other episodes that Roland has put out. And if you want to get notified every time we release a new episode, go to the new businesslunchpodcast.com website and we'll send you detailed notes along with every episode. That's businesslunchpodcast.com, www.businesslunchpodcast.com, and you can sign up for the free email newsletter where you'll be able to get all the highlights and resources from the episodes. I feel like I was just here. Good to see you all again. Um, so does anybody here not know who this guy is? There was a time when nobody knew who this guy was, and I couldn't... You sort of liked it that way for a while, and now he's way more famous um, than, than I am. So Roland and I, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, Roland and I met because uh, you were at the very first ever Traffic Engine Merchant I was, Summit. yes. So we're business partners right now um, because Roland came to TNC. And, um, and so when we talk about the connections that are made here, this is an example you know, of that. And... Um, at the first TNC, that was when we first presented the the mastermind. Um, you, I would say, irresponsibly, yes, chose not to join. Yeah, it's really funny because there were these guys walking around because you had launched it actually before. I think they had the things on, unless I'm mixing one and two. But uh, but I asked a couple of the people that were joining, and I was like, you know, so what is this mastermind thing, and and what do you think of it? Because I wasn't really from the world of digital marketing originally. I was from other kinds of marketing. And um, and the people like. By the way, when you say it like that, it sounds super sketchy. Oh, uh, you say, did did anybody else think like, oh, he was like in some like gross like porny kind of stuff? They were like, sold. Oh no, I. He was like an attorney, and which is also kind of gross in its own way. And uh, no, I I had done a lot of stuff with television and radio and commercials. I knew that, but the way you said it, I was like, I share it with you. (laughs) But um, yeah, so uh, I I was I asked him. I was like, man, what's this mastermind thing? This is amazing. You you've got to you know, you got to do it and um, it's going to be great. And they're going to get together a couple times a year. And I didn't really get the value of it because I was, uh, I was busy. Yeah. And so I just said, ah, it just sounds, you know, cool. And then I was mad at myself for the entire rest of the year. Cause I subscribed to Brian had, I forget what it was the very first thing you had. And occasionally you'd have little snippets of code and stuff and like, yeah. uh, and, uh, and they'd be talking about things that the mastermind did. And I was like, I can't believe I didn't do that. And so I went back to, to the second traffic conversion summit and I walked up to the uh, to the front where they had it was just a little table back then. And I said, uh, I want to join the mastermind. I've been thinking about it uh, all year. I want to join it. And they said, Well, you can't. And I was like, Oh God, you mean it's full? And it's like I, I knew this was going to happen. It's going to you know. And they're like, Oh no, we don't have the forms printed yet. I was like, oh, <laughs> we weren't uh, we were didn't really have our crap together uh, <laughs> back then. Um, so no, so it, it was cool. And then we we met, so we did join. We printed the forms, so he was allowed to join. Um, and this guy just showed up. Nobody knew who he was. He showed up at every single meeting. He never really asked for anything, but he took notes for the group. And he's like, hey, here's the notes I took. Can you share them? And then at the end of all of our masterminds, we have a contest where it's like, okay, it's time for everybody to share the coolest, best, most amazing thing that they've learned since the last meeting. And it's a contest and the members vote. This guy, I think, still to this day has the record for the most victories of that. And eventually we're like, who are you? What do you do? Um, and uh, we got into a little bit of a cash pinch. Those of you who are here for the session, talk about the importance of understanding uh, where your cash is going. Um, we didn't know that then, got a bit of a cash pinch and went to this guy because he had money. We're like, hey, and he's like, well, if you want a business partner, I can help with some of the cash stuff. And so uh, met it, you know, got connected to TNC, um, you know, became, you know, friends and peers through the mastermind and then ultimately, you know, business partners. And so that's how we got to know you know, one another, but this person's a, he's, he's kind of good at everything he does. So he's annoying. Um, <laughs> really just, he's, I mean, SEO, like everything, you name it, he's done it, but really has become um, a master of the art of, of acquisition, right? A master of the art of, of acquisition and entrepreneurial investing. And, and, what, ex- 
Uh, and exits, of course. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You want to do both. Like, yeah. It's nice to buy things, but it's also nice to sell. Yeah, you want to, yeah. Money's made on the sell. But, um, but let me just say, so to me, the takeaway is like you guys are here and, um, and I know you're going to get a lot from all of the different people that are here in this room and that are presenting content-wise. And, um, and that's the first level of getting a lot out of the event. But the second one is um, going beyond the sessions and connecting with people so that you can talk to the people that are next to you. I mean, almost all of the big relationships that I have, I, I want to say all, but I you know, never say all, uh, came from coming to events like this and being connected to people in masterminds where people are in a mindset of learning and being open and meeting other people, as opposed to you reach out to them and they're doing whatever they do for a living and they're busy and you're an interruptive force instead of coming into where they've actually opened up. So uh, be sure that you connect with the people that are around you. And then the third level, which is the one that most people never go to, is how can you serve people here while you're here, the people that are in the audience, the people that are on the stage, the people that are running the event, all of those people are fantastic connections with big networks. And so rather than just thinking about it from what can I get out of this and did I ROI because I was able to learn one thing that'll do something, which you for sure can do here, um, think about how can I give to somebody else? Because to me, that's where all the giant connections come from that will really multiply your wealth and your income. Yep. So uh, with this, let, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the five exits of the entrepreneur, uh, because I think it's important all entrepreneurs should be thinking about their business with an exit in mind, even if you don't want to exit. It's just going to cause you to run a better company. And we talked about that, uh, about how, you know, well, you want to you want to do these things even if you don't plan to exit. But Roland, what do I say? What do you mean when we talk about exit? Because really, there's five different types of exit. Well, what do you mean? He's like breaking all this down and explaining it. And it was just an amazing breakthrough for me in giving freedom to understand that there's not just one end game. There are multiple. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yep. Framework for achieving your ideal exit. By the time we're done with the session, you're going to say, that's my ideal exit. Um, so in terms of the problem, I think most of us in business, we kind of feel like that tired hamster, right? Starting over every month at zero, right? You're that hamster on a wheel, go, 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 go. Um, there's also a challenge. We In Texas, we say that, that person's all hat, no cattle. Right, you heard that expression? Um, that's when they're talking a good game, acting like they're a big deal, but they it isn't there. I see this in entrepreneurs when they have lots of sales and no profit. I can't tell you how many famous entrepreneurs, names you would recognize, who are one bad month away from not being able to make their car payment. Right? They are the toothless chihuahua. All bark, no bite. Okay, and there are lots of entrepreneurs with really big top lines, no bottom lines, and they gotta they gotta play a game, they gotta play a game, but the, the cash ain't there. Okay, um, so some of you feel like the hamster in the wheel, some of you might feel like you're a little all hat no cattle toothless chihuahua, and I think a lot of us, and this is Roland's expression, we're the dancing bear. We're the dancing bear. Who here knows what the dancing bear is? When we talk about the dancing bear, it's particularly uh, insidious for people who are into marketing because most of us have to do things to make the ship go and as entrepreneurs too. Um, so the, the thing is it came from a conversation that, uh, that Dean Graciosi and Tony Robbins were having and um, uh, it was right around when Dean was getting out of real estate and going into uh, more motivational and Tony was about to do Money Master the Game and Dean was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this because I was talking with Tony and Tony says, you know, the problem with what we do is we're dancing bears. We have a lot of money coming in, but we haven't built really any significant wealth asset. And as long as we're dancing on stage and I'm doing these shows and all that stuff, people throw money. As long as we're doing our marketing services or running whatever company we're running, the money continues to come in. But when we stop, then the money stops. And so what Tony said was, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create this book called Money Master the Game. And I've partnered with uh, some people to put a fund together and I figured that if I can get, I think it was said if I could get a billion under management, that um, I'll be totally set and I will no longer be a dancing bear. And um, he released Money Master the Game and he sold, I just found this out talking to him a couple days ago, uh, he sold uh, the fund interest uh, a couple years ago with $10 billion under management. And that to me is the game that we want to help you guys change because if you stop working and the money stops coming in, that's just a really scary place to be. 
Yeah, and so we don't want any of you to be the, the dancing bear if you love it. But I love going on stage. I love doing this. Fine, fine, do it. Do it because you love it, not because you have to. Yeah, that's the difference. So the goal, our goal, our goal for you is the same goal that we have for all of our founders, board members, our mastermind members. We want you to transform your current top line revenue into your future bottom line profit. If you're looking for a goal and a number, I think that's a good one to start with. How much are you generating top line right now? How cool would it be to do that bottom line in two to three years or less? Could maybe do it in one year. Once you to hit your number, whatever that is, achieve your ideal exit. So we use this phrase, achieve your ideal exit, live the, seven, uh, the level seven life. And you'll see what we that's, mean by ideal exit. Because, that's, that's because those different exits, it, it's not just sell your company. There's a lot of different exits on the path to selling your company. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. So those of you who were here for the last session, I went through the seven levels of scale. And we always say there is no level eight. You're either going to reset a new target or you're going to say, I want to exit. And so when we talk about exit, Roland, you want to, this is your creation, you want to walk through the, the five different types of exits? Yeah, just the, the first, the, so the first place that we are whenever we're starting the business, and a lot of times we're, we find ourselves on the line doing the, jo like doing the jobs that need to be done to make the company run. And that first level is, is really, you are wearing all the hats, you're doing all the things. And so how can you exit the line and move from doing to delegating? This is something that um, uh, Gerber uh, wrote a book called uh, The E-Myth Revisited that really covers to me this part of the exit, uh, which is how do I stop being the, the dancing bear or the person that has to do all the work and I start going from doing to delegating? That's exit one. And once you make that exit, the next exit is going from the line to being a manager, right? Going from the line to being a manager. Being a manager is when you are, you're delegating, right? Now, being a manager is cool, but to me, that's really where the e-myth falls off because it doesn't talk about the next place that you wanna go. The next place that you wanna go is you wanna go from being a manager to being a leader. And that's really becoming a true CEO. And a lot of people, how many of you are CEOs now? How many of you call yourself CEOs now? Okay, cool, thanks. So like being a CEO, in the sophisticated corporate world is not, I'm just the head of the company and I'm doing all this stuff and I'm still wearing all the hats. Being the CEO means being the leader of the managers that are helping the people on the line. Being the CEO, you are not ideally in operations. You are providing leadership to operations and you are interfacing between the board of directors and the shareholders of the company, the owners and the directors, and helping figure out what is the vision, shape the vision, be informed by them. You may or may not be the person who's charged with creating that vision, but you're darn sure the person that's supposed to make it happen, right? By managing and leading, right? So then the next step is, okay, I got my leadership and I'm a CEO, but I am absolutely constrained in the ability to scale myself across a diversified portfolio of investments, which you ultimately have to have because I, I mean, I can tell you $20,000, $50,000, $75,000 a month assets that I have had over the last five years that have just evaporated, right? And we see things changing all the time. There's a recession coming, or maybe it's already here, or maybe it's nuclear war, or maybe it's uh, another it's pandemic. Huh? Yeah, hopefully not that. One. Hopefully it's not, but yeah. you just, know, I mean, you know, it's always changing, that's the point. And things that you, that you have working for you today may not be working tomorrow. So if you really want to be a diversified entrepreneur and have the risk go away that whatever you're doing right now, something might change. Maybe Google delists your, uh, you know, does an update and, does, and all your SEO goes away. Or maybe Facebook uh, and Insta raise their uh, ad costs. That would never happen, right? To be to where you can't <laughs> afford them anymore to make money. Um, and you don't want to be bound by that. You don't want to be chained into that constraint. So that's where you say, I'm going to stop being a CEO and get off the org chart. If you get off the org chart, then the company will run without you, no matter whether you're there or not. And your philosophy changes to, I'm not really that concerned anymore as a person who's off the org chart. I'm not really concerned anymore about the products and services that the company sells. I'm starting to think of the company as the product. I'm starting to think that I'm not really focused on the offers of the company. I'm focused on how do I make the company itself a product that can be sold and add value, which we'll be talking about in a second. 
And so getting off the org chart moves you onto the board where you are moving from leadership to governance. Governance is, I'm just being sure that they're doing all the stuff that they want. I've got a chart that comes into me, I got reports, and I don't have to go in and have anything at all to do with any manager of the company. I have no direct reports. I am not on the organization chart at all. And then the last one is moving from governance to, well, it's not the last one, it's the second to last one, moving from governance to investor, right? So when, when you get off the board and you're no longer the CEO, really this company that you've got right now, you guys that raise your hands as CEOs, it becomes one portfolio company, but because you don't have to run it, you can have 10 of them or 30 or 450 like Richard Branson, right? It's, it's, so there's no limit on the number you can have because your time is no longer required there. All you have to do is kind of keep track of what's going on. And then that last exit is one that you may or may not want. You're gonna say, okay, I am off the org chart and I am just an investor right now. Am I getting the highest return from owning this thing that I can get compared to the other things that I could be doing out there in the market? And then your decision is just gonna be a straight investment decision. You're gonna have an ROI, a return on investment of the capital you've got committed to this company, and it's either performing at the, way, at the rate that you want, and it's the highest rate you can get, or it's not. And if it's not, you may decide that you want to exit the company, meaning that you wanna sell it. Or like we did with this event that you're at, maybe you wanna sell part of it, take some chips off the table. Maybe you wanna take a lot of chips off the table, right? But it's, it's really, those are the exits. You don't have to think about exit as, it's binary. I'm either an owner of the company or I exited and I'm gone. There are multiple exit points along the way and our goal is to help you figure out which is the ideal one for you. Yeah, so that's what we want you to be thinking about. Now in terms of how we do it. Okay, great. I want to do it, and let's just quick kind of show of hands. Um, how many of you would like in the next 12 months to, um, to achieve exit two where you exit the staff and truly become a CEO? Okay, like, and here's what it takes, those of you who were here last time, you're not a CEO until you have an operating system installed, okay? Because operating systems are what give you operational freedom, right? So if, if uh, uh, the first goal that I would have, uh, that I would encourage all of you to set is, I've gotta achieve exit number two, I gotta get out of the staff, I gotta get out of the day-to-day, -day, and I've gotta sit at the top of this thing. I've gotta go manager to CEO. Um, exiting the org chart. Raise your hand if you like the idea of still owning the company and still having oversight but not being in the day-to-day -day at all anymore, working over the business. That's rolling all day long. So here's my, my thing. I actually quite like CEOing around a little bit, right? I don't, like, Roland's like, get me out of here as quickly as possible. I like to hang, all right? I, th I think, I, I love the game of business. I think it can be fun. So there's not one. You don't have to do all of these. Now, exiting the board, this is the one that I don't, I, I, he's fine with it. I super struggle with it. It's like, wait, so I own it, but I'm not on the board anymore. I'm just an investor. Then sell it. I'm not saying it's healthy or right. I'm just being honest, okay? You, though, are great with it. It's a straight ROI decision. Yep. It's like I, I have companies that I've owned for 30 years that I can't sell it for enough. Like I can get a 2 or 3x on it, but then I know 2 or 3 years from now, I'm going to be sitting there saying, I can't invest the money that I sold it and earn more money than I was making from it. And now I'm kind of mad at myself for having sold it because I could still own it and sell it. And so I just hold on to it forever. And that, and that makes a lot of sense. Sometimes it's just, this is a great asset to hold. So when we're working with our clients and working with founders, board members, we want to know, like, what is the exit that you want to take in the next 12 months and then the next 36 months? Want you to have kind of a trajectory and maybe because some people are like, I want to exit. I want to sell completely. I want to sell this business. Great. That is good to know. I have no desire to sell this. This is my baby. I want to leave it to my children. Great. You get to choose, okay? That is the benefit. That's why we got in this game, so that we got options. We'll talk more Slight about that. Slight spoiler alert, though. Your children don't want your business. They don't. <laughs> they your don't. children they want, want to the be money. influencers. They want the freaking money. Yeah, they want the, the freaking money so they can go be in, yeah, Instagram influencers on some Tahitian island. Mm -hmm. So how do you do it? What is the process, no matter which exit that you, you want to take? What we're going to talk and break down here is what we call our Scalable Impact Framework, uh, SPV for short. You will see. This is the overarching framework that we've developed. You know, we talked about the seven levels of scale. That's the roadmap. How do you do it, right? So if, if, if the seven level scale is, is the map, what's the vehicle that I get in that takes me there? This is 
this is that. So you want to talk through these? Yes, go ahead and pop one up. It's always fun when you're uh, when you're trying to figure out how do you do the clicker, because mm, the because one person has to have it. You don't get to have two. If you have two, it'd be fun though, because I'd always be hitting back. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's uh, why he didn't get to have it. He's like, <laughs> go ahead. Can you just go ahead and hit them because yeah, it's it's easier to me. Okay. So so the S is sales. The P is profits, and uh, the V is value. But we don't believe that those things in and of themselves are enough to describe what you really should be working for. Because if you are thinking about a company that will really produce the greatest value to you, which is your building of wealth, and the greatest income to you and cash flow, then you want to be a little bit smarter than everybody else. And so rather than sales, you really want to have leverage sales. So what are the, act the activities that you can take and the actions you can take that will actually mean that for one bit of effort, you'll bump two or three different kinds of sales activities. A few years ago, right before the pandemic here, we had Richard Branson speak. And so we had Richard Branson speak and it was the first year that we had sold the event. And so uh, Clarion, which is a Blackstone company that bought part of the event from us, uh, was running the budget and everything. And they said, we wanna make a big splash. And we said, there's to us, you know, Elon Musk and Richard Branson, it's kind of hard and maybe Bezos. And uh, I think we can get Branson, but Bezos is, you know, buffing out, and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, and Musk is is uh, doing all kinds of things. So um, so he said, let's get Branson, and then we said, okay, well that's great. That's going to help the event. Um, what else can we do to leverage the fact that we've got him here? And we said, well, we could. He he will sell a lot of tickets. I think he sold a million and a half or two million of tickets in a matter of a month. So it's definitely it was definitely a good investment to have him. But then we said, what else can we do to leverage sales? We said, well, the next thing that we could do is we could have him be uh, at a VIP session. And, um, and actually, we ended up negotiating because he's quite expensive to get with Clarion. And we, they said, we're only willing to pay this much of what it costs to get him. And we said, okay, how about if we pay the difference, but we run a VIP session and we'll sell tickets to the VIP session. And so we sold 30 tickets at $15,000 to the VIP section. They don't let us sell the VIP session anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but we had to, and we, we came in at 100, so we had a pretty good return on that. And then we gave part of that to charity and kept a little bit of it. Uh, so that was cool. And then we said, well, what else can we do? And it was like, okay, well, Branson likes to be interviewed more than he likes to keynote. So we said, okay, well, we started a podcast called the Business Launch Podcast. Maybe we put on the screens, and you'll see when we do interviews uh, here at this event, it'll say, Business, business Lunch Podcast Live. So we drove thousands and thousands of downloads to the podcast by having him there for that. And there were three or four other things that went on past that, but you get the idea, right? It's like, how many ways can we get one thing that we're going to do to produce revenue? That's leverage sales, as opposed to just like, you know, hey, you want to buy this? That's just regular sales. So leverage sales is the first thing, then bankable profit. How many of you made a profit in your company in the last 12 months? Okay, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. How many of you made a profit is first. Now, how many of you actually got to take more than 100,000 of that profit home with you after paying yourself whatever salary you got? A lot of hands go down, thank you, okay, right? The difference is bankable profit. One of the challenges that we had, one of the challenges when, uh, when we started doing business was that some of the parts of the business were making profit, but it doesn't really count to me if you don't get to put it in the bank. If you're constantly reinvesting, good for you. You're on a hamster wheel of death. You're never going to get to take any money out, right? So we don't want to just see you make profit. We want to say, how can you make profit that you can put in the bank and actually keep? That's important. And then last but not least, all of the businesses that you run or own have some sort of value. The question is, can you transfer the value to somebody else in exchange for assets? That's how you build wealth. So like we, as, as Ryan mentioned, we have lots of friends, some of them that are speaking here that may make a ton of money, but they've got no wealth because the minute that they stop, they're that dancing bear, right? And it's, it's not going to keep coming. Transferable value means that you have put into place things in your business 
that capture the value within the business itself so that somebody will buy it from you. Somebody will give you money for it. And that, they don't have to buy the whole thing, by the way. Maybe they're a minority investor. You take some chips off the table. Maybe it's a recap so that you go to a financial institution and you take some debt, right? And you get some money that you get to take home. The goal is, is that you've built something that can actually be given to somebody else in exchange for something of value. So then we say, okay, well, how do these things work with each other? And that's where the Venn thing comes into place, right? So leverage sales plus transferable value gives you the ability to scale your business. If you've got leverage sales and you've got transferable value, you can scale your business. Those of you, by the way, who are here for the level seven talk, level two is to have a growth flywheel, leverage sales. Level three is to have an operating system, the first step of transferable value. That's why I said you gotta be through these, check these boxes before you become scalable. And I've had a, had a conversation about the next one um, as recently as last night. In business, momentum is everything. And so we're doing a pretty significant deal with, uh, with a pretty significant company right now. And uh, we got our first meeting Monday. And then this event runs Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, I have, uh, I have a, the, I'm, and I'm the one negotiating for us on this deal. I've got an all day thing. And then the next day I go to France for a month. So what do I do? Do I tell them when I get back from France, give me a week to get over the hangover and we'll get together? No, because I'd lose all the momentum, right? And we're even in the conversation talking about that. So momentum, if you've got leveraged sales, if you've got sales and you're making profit, you can go forward and grow. You've got momentum, which is critical to moving fast. And then last but not least, if you've got profit and transferable value, if you've got profit, you can go get a loan, you can get credit, right? You can just finance and bootstrap within, which we love doing. Or you can say, I've also got transferable value. So maybe I don't want to bootstrap because I would actually like to take some money off the table. Or maybe you say, maybe I'll just sell a little tiny piece of the company so I can take some chips off the table. Or so I can not have to reinvest and I'll actually have some extra cash to work with. That gives you options. So all of them combined allow you to create a company that has scalable impact. And does that sound cool? Like if you had all three of these things, would that be good? Yeah, it's truly the, the, your ability, the impact that you can make is no longer limited by any external force. It's only limited by what you want to do, right? What is going to hold you back when you have momentum, you're scalable and you're, you have optionality? Um, and, and so we think about this as having scalable impact. And another way to, to really think about it in, in the center is you also have exitability. So when you have all three of those, you're also exit ready. You can achieve your ideal exit. Uh, if you don't, by the way, you, if you don't have scalable sales, this is when you feel like that hamster on a wheel that we talked about before, right? So if you feel like that hamster on a wheel, you know why. I'm lacking scalable sales. You have a word for it, a term for it. You know what you need to fix. No bankable profit, all hat, no cattle, toothless chihuahua. Nobody wants to be the toothless chihuahua, but sometimes it's good to acknowledge reality so we can do something about it. And then no transferable value, that is when you are that dancing bear. You're big, you're powerful, people are intimidated by you, respect you, but bear stops dancing, bear don't get paid. So let's play a game, all right? Let's play a game called Find the Red. What I would like, um, so normally we're working with our, um, with our uh, Founders Board clients, we have this tool where it just helps to get really crystal clear on where you're struggling with right now. Because so much of this, I said this earlier, we're all reaching a level of our business where our problems become non-Googleable. Y'all were in here when I said that, right? But even if we want to be able to Google it, we have to know what to Google. Half the time, we don't even know what to call this thing. And so we use this to kind of just get clear. So what I want you to do, get out a sheet of paper, please, or a phone if you don't have a sheet of paper. It's gotta be a sheet of paper or my slide doesn't work, all right? It messes everything up, no, yeah. Get out uh, some kind of thing. I do think it'll be a little bit easier. You, you know, yeah, any, any kind of advice. Uh, right at the top, scalable impact blueprint. Um, then write down, skip a line, leverage sales. Give me three dots. Skip another line, bankable profit. Give me three dots. Skip another line, transferable value. Because what we have found is that leverage sales, bankable profit, and transferable value, each one of those is made up of three other kind of sub things. So I further want to distill down, okay, 
what does it look like to get more leveraged sales? What does it look like to get more bankable profit? What does it look like to get more transferable value? Because it's good to know that, but like now tactically, practically, how do I fix it? How do I get more of it? So let's talk about what that looks like. So in terms of leveraged sales, right, the three things that we're looking at, number one, you gotta have a growth engine in place. I'm talking about this tomorrow morning, but you have to have a documented growth engine where you can visually say, this is how customers happen. I am shocked by how many multi-million dollar entrepreneurs I speak to or I ask them, how do customers happen? They don't have a good answer. People just show up. I guess referrals? I don't know. That's terrifying, y'all. It's terrifying. You have to know how customers happen because you cannot optimize what you have not documented. One okay? of the best stories to me of that is, uh, is Reebok versus Nike. Reebok came and was super, super popular in the 80s. They caught on with Jane Fonda and Step Aerobics and, and, and that, whole, uh, that whole era. And then they just kept going after every single opportunity that came about. And they went into all different kinds of things with no actual repeatable process, which is what the growth engine gives you, and ultimately got sold to Adidas and then sold to a private equity company. And I did an interview with the founder um, a few months back and he's just doing okay. Then you got Nike that said, here's what we do. We go into a new sport at a time and we totally dominate the grassroots. We give shoes to all the coaches, then we get the key players, and we get the, those people to be endorsers, and then we go into clothing and all the other things, and then when that's done, we go to the next sport. And if you read Phil Knight's book, Shoe Dog, you'll see, I think he ended up uh, at like $40 billion net worth or something like that, he's and okay. Nike's become a global powerhouse, right? So got a big tax that bill. to me is the difference between, yeah. now. Yes, I think the other guy had the, the better strategy because he saved a lot. He saved a lot in taxes. Don't. <laughs> you also need authority amplifiers and you need a scalable model. Let's break down what these mean. So growth engines, we talked about it. Our ability to generate a consistent, predictable, and growing flow of new leads and customers each and every month, largely on autopilot. So I'll ask the same question that I asked last session. Do you have at least one documented growth engine that's responsible for at least 10,000 in sales at least three months in a row that you believe can scale to seven? Uh, to 100,000 a month, okay? Do you have a six-figure flywheel? Do you have a seven-figure flywheel? If you got a six-figure, yellow. Seven-figure, green. If you say, ah, oh, but I know I'm making this much, but it ain't documented, red, okay? And so I would go, I'd write down, one of the most powerful things I ever did in my entire life was to document how customers happen. If you haven't heard the story of the million-dollar napkin, I was, boy, on the edge on the edge, about to go totally bankrupt, made myself a deal. If I can write down on this simple napkin how customers happen, then I will work my napkin plan. And if I can't, then I'm gonna go declare bankruptcy and see if I can get a job. So sat, sitting there at that bar at the Hilton Anatole in Dallas, Texas, I drew out the first, what became the five-step funnel. All right, and it was, start with self-looking offer, go into the you know, lead magnet, tripwire, like all that stuff was on that napkin back in 2006. Okay, what I did, I documented my first growth engine. Now they look more like that. Haven't gotten that much more sophisticated. So it can be post-it notes on a whiteboard. It could be fancy, um, pretty flowchart software, or it can be a napkin. The point is you have to document how customers happen. I'll give my session a plug again tomorrow morning. You should be there, okay? You should be there tomorrow morning. I'm gonna talk about how to go through this process. So if you put yellow or red, we will have that green by tomorrow morning, all right? Um, in terms of authority amplifiers, our ability to clearly communicate our value through multiple channels, okay? Multiple channels become known as the de facto leader in our industry. This generally looks like content and social. Okay, content and social. Content and social, these are the authority amplifiers. I think today there's a lot more people who know Roland than who know me. That was not the case, you know, five to 10 years ago because Roland is super active on social. He also just looks better. Better looking guy. I think you all see that, right? No, um, I think we're equally gorgeous. <laughs> um, so is our content and core messaging driving organic viral growth? Okay, if, you're, if what you're doing is not driving organic viral growth, you need some authority amplifiers. You're in the right place to get some of those. Scalable model. The question I'll ask, could you metabolize a two to three X spike in sales? So let's say you get it all right. You take the stuff that you learn here, two to three X spike in sales. Could you do that without materially impacting 
um, your profit margins or the customer experience. And you'll find this actually happens. It happens when you go, if you're e-commerce or product sales and you go into retail, they will make you prove to them that you can create, that your supply chain will handle the scale that they require to go in. And so like some of the biggest opportunities that get missed are missed just because you don't have this. Just uh, two days ago, I was talking to somebody that said like, we had one of our companies that's got about five to 7,000 customers a month that we're adding. And they said, we want to do business with you, but you need to be able to handle 850,000 to a million more customers a month. And that's like, that's the no shit. Holy mm -hmm. crap. You know? Yeah. And, you know, and of course. Well, we got a good poker face. And I of think, course, I, I, I was like, well, of course we can handle that. And then I went back to these guys and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> but that, that's really it. Work. It's important. <laughs> and so, like, it's not just words on paper or, or you know, digits, bits on uh, whatever digital stuff is. Like, it's actually real. This will stop you from the opportunity of a lifetime if you don't have it. Yeah. You've got to be able to say yes. And even if you don't know, like at the minute how you're gonna do it, you have to be prepared to say, I, I know we can make this happen because I built this in. Is your sales and marketing limited by your capacity to fulfill? Or do you have ample room for growth? Okay. You're all here, you're at a marketing conference. What if it works? What'll break? Go through that thought experiment. What'll break and seek to fix it before it breaks? Which happened in our, a lot of our initial, especially the very first acquisition we did together. Yep. I remember the conversation Ryan said when we were talking to the, the owners uh, about acquiring him, and, and Ryan said, well, can you handle if we 5X the number of customers that you've got? And the guy's like, of course we can, just like we all would, right? We went in, and Ryan said, and this was kind of new to me back then because uh, you know, he's way better at marketing than I am, and he's like, we do this all the time. We go into companies that we consult with, and we help them drive a whole bunch of additional leads and customers, and then the wheels fall off, quote unquote. And he's like, so we just want to be sure in this deal, the wheels don't fall off. And sure enough, what was it, 30 days, yeah, 60 days after you off. did the first campaign? They didn't fall off, they exploded. They, they did, they totally exploded. Company, it actually destroyed the company. Yeah. Oops. Um, so, <laughs> red, yellow, green. You can, if you happen to bring colored markers, I prefer you use those, I'm guessing you didn't, so I would just write in the word red, yellow, or green next to each of these. Okay, next to each of these, write it in. Let's talk about bankable profit. Here we're looking at, do you have a zero dollar budget? Do you have margin maximizers in place? And do you have your cash flow waterfall? Okay, zero dollar budget, that's just your ability to create budgets and expense projections and actually hit them. Okay, do you have a budget ahead of time that dictates where the money will be spent? Okay, and do you consistently hit your targeted expense ratios? If you say, what is a targeted expense ratio, you're red. <clears throat> Love you mean it, but you're generally red. Um, one of the things that we do with our clients, we've got just a very, very simple expense ratio analyzer. It sounds nerdy. This is one of the coolest things you will ever do, right? It's just a basic spreadsheet, but it says for the main expense categories, what are we going to decide ahead of time those expense ratios are going to be? But notice that one at the top and in the middle, target profit margin. You start with how much money are we going to make, and everything else gets, sent, gets spent out of that. Okay? This By is the way, really, really important. Have, when you do this stuff consistently, and you've got a track record of doing it, when you go to either sell or raise money, either from investors or lenders, it makes it just a piece of, a piece of cake. It yep. really is. And we made this, I mean, look, you can get very complicated in your performance and stuff like that. This is, we made this to be entrepreneur friendly. And yeah. by the way, I know we got some founders board members in the room who haven't done this yet. We're going to make you do this this coming month, okay? We're going to drag you kicking and screaming to get these things done because a lot of you need to go into 2023 knowing where your money's going so you can do projections for next year, okay? Um, margin maximize our ability to leverage value ladders, creative pricing and positioning. Basically, a lot of what I talked about this morning in my keynote um, to maximize gross margins while maintaining or even reducing operating expenses. Some questions to ask, have you raised your prices in the last 12 months? Everyone else has. I would join them, okay? And have you tested high ticket Slack adjusters designed to increase average customer value? Are you covering that in any session here? Because if not at 4.15 today, I have a session that covers all of that too. You should go to his session at 4.15. Is that in here? That's in uh, the Keep Ballroom. Okay. Particularly price, I mean, all of us are paying more. 
yeah. for everything we want now, or and even things that we don't wish we wanted, like new water heaters when they break and things like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Your that session, yeah, yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I said you'll need to stay in this room. All right, let's just skip out on that one. Um, that's gonna be really good. And then your cash flow waterfall, right? Our ability to cover all our operating expenses and asset investment needs while still having cash left over for reinvestment and distribution. The the best signal that your business is strong, is healthy, is the presence of distributable cash. It doesn't mean you have to distribute it, but if it is available for distribution, and the only way that we're going to do this is if you have a cash flow waterfall. You know, have you built up a six-month emergency fund? Um, are, are you building retained earnings for future investment? Are you able to make reg regular distributions? Now, the cash sweep waterfall, I'll, I'll kind of walk through this really quickly, but I want you to imagine if you've ever seen kind of one of these like champagne glass pyramid things at a wedding, right, where it goes in, fills up the first one, and then goes down, down, down. That's how I want you to think about your business cash, okay? That's how I want you to think about your business cash. So we've got five cash flow waterfall accounts. Every business needs to have a basic operating account. I'm sure you got this. You should have a tax account. Tax account is where money goes before it can be gone. Um, you got to set that tax money aside. One of the biggest mistakes ever made in business was getting behind with the tax man. Got a phone call on a Thursday from my accountant. Wow, you had a really good year last year. I know it's bad when your accountant compliments you on the great year you had last year. <laughs> hey, you set aside money for quarterly, right? What are those? I owed the IRS about a quarter million dollars. Didn't have it. You want to set it aside. That was a scary day. <laughs> One of the only times in my adult life I sat on the couch and cried. <laughs> Emily, you remember. You were there. Um, my wife. Uh, you need to have an emergency fund. You need to have a sweep account, and then you should have some sinking funds. So let's talk about what these things are, shall we, very, very quickly? Because I want you to be able to, to make some of these things, if they're red or yellow, I want you to make them green, okay? So everything starts in an operating account. So all the money that you make, it goes into an operating account. I'm going to encourage you to maintain at all times one month OPEX, one month operating expenses in that account. So if you didn't make a single sale for the rest of the month and not another dollar, you could pay all your bills for the next 30 days, okay? Now... Everything over and above that, right? Some amount is going to have to go into a tax savings account. How much? Ask your accountant. Okay? Ask your accountant how much you should be setting aside for taxes. Anytime money comes in, tax money goes over there. Now, everything over and above the, uh, the, the operating account, everything over and above that one-month OPEX, that should then begin to fill up an emergency fund until you got about three months in there. Once you got three months, you can start building it slowly. I like to get it to at least six months. Um, but then it can go into a sweep account. A sweep account is just where money goes until it goes somewhere else. Because I never want to leave money in one place. Because if you leave it in your checking account, you will spend it. Okay? Some common sweep accounts, you could have uh, an account where you're going to build up some cash for acquisitions and investment. That could be one. Maybe you need a sinking fund. You know you got a big expense out on the horizon. We're doing a big event. It's going to cost a million dollars. We should save up for that. Okay? I also recommend that some of it go into a distributable cash account to go to you and your other shareholders, okay? The point is, money comes in and it goes somewhere. You need to put this in place. Cash flow management is the thing that will, that will cause your company to stall out. So again, red, yellow, green, what you got? Got a budget, you have some margin maximizers, cash flow waterfall, all right? Red, yellow, green. Let's do transferable value real quick. You gotta have an operating system. You have to be able, transferable value comes in two forms. You have to be able to transfer the value creation process from yourself to your team, okay? The value creation process has to be transferred from you and all of your awesomeness to other people. That happens through systems and through having a high output team. The second part of transferable value is, is the value itself transferring to somebody else. So you gotta have that operating system, right? Having the core value process documented, that's what I'm gonna be talking about after this one. The question that we ask our clients, could you take a 30-day vacation off the grid, come back and your business still be there, ideally better? If the answer is no, you don't have an operating system installed. Systems, by the way, are not checklists. There is more to building an operating system than just having a bunch of checklists. Um, I, I'm really proud of this guy, Josh Taylor. He wasn't able to make, make it, but Josh is one of our Founders Board clients. He, we're like, we want all of our Founders Board members to, to put a one-month vacation on the calendar and tell your team you're going to do it. It's a forcing function. 
Josh was like, I'm put two months. And he did it. He did it. Came back. While he was gone, his team broke all their records. That's freedom, y'all. Again, uh, three o'clock, clone yourself. I'd be here for that one. That's your big boy. Is the team able to manage and scale itself? If you don't have an operating system, they won't. These are sequential. Do team members consistently hit the goals that they set for themselves? Amara, one of our clients and now one of our uh, advisors, we've got a tool called the High Output Team Canvas. It saved her 80 grand, right? Looks like that. It's pretty simple. I'll, I'll talk about that more in the next session. And then finally, exit-ready structure. Do we know what our business and our assets are worth? Does the structure allow for individual assets divisions to be carved off and sold separately? We call this an orbital portfolio model. So the way that we're structured, the sun at the center, that's the holding company. So that's where Roland and I live and work. The planets are all the underlying brands. Digital Marketer, Scalable Company, Epic Network. The moons are the assets. Traffic and Conversion Summit was a moon orbiting around Digital Marketer. You sell the moons, okay? Sell the moons. Don't sell the planets and definitely don't sell the entire solar system unless somebody's offering you a whole lot of money. So another analogy that we'll use is the goose and egg structure. Sell the eggs, not the goose. So having, this is pretty advanced level stuff. It's why it's the last one. But having an exit ready structure in place is something that's going to be really, really, really important if you want to have transferable value. You don't want to be put in the situation of, I've got to sell it, sell it all or nothing. Sell it all or nothing at all. You don't want to be in that situation. So what I would encourage you to do while you're on the break is to think really hard, like, where am I red and where am I yellow? Right? Where am I red and where am I yellow? Because we got to get the red out. Okay? You got to get the red out. But now you will have terms, you'll have names, you'll know what this different stuff is called. So just to recap, all right? Be really clear on the exit that you want to make in the next 12 months. Which of these five exits do you want to make in the next 12 months? Then which exit do you want to make in the next 36 months? Where do I want to be in the short term and in the medium term? Okay, which exit do you want to make? How do you ensure that you can make the exit? It goes back to this. We got to get the red out. We got to turn red to yellow. We got to turn yellow to green. All right, and so these are all the things, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of this here. Uh, obviously, if this is the kind of thing that you want our more direct, individualized help with, this is what we do uh, for all of our Founders Board members. And so I've talked about it, mentioned it briefly at the last one. Uh, but I said before, we talked about it. If you were looking for a, a mastermind to help you scale, that's what we do. We have a lot of fun doing it. And I'll tell you, the, a dirty little secret behind why we do this, we're also looking for businesses to buy and partner with, right? And so for us, this is our opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, inform and, and drive the M&A side of the business, which I know Roland talks about a lot as well. Um, so anything else uh, you would add? No, I think, I think that's it. That's what is, what is the uh, QR code thing? How, how does that work for everybody? I don't know. I don't know how this technology works. No, if you, that is, um, so that will take you to an application. So if you're interested in, in applying for Founders Board, um, learning more about it, the first step is to apply. Because um, if for some reason it's not a fit, we can tell you and give you your time back. Um, so feel free, you can use that link to apply now. We also have our, our crew in the back. We'd love to, to, to chat with you. Sound good? Anything I missed, forgot? All right, well, let's hear it for us. <laughs>
by 900%. What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now, and I cover the whole process in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you 100% free. Just visit businesslaunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available. Hey, Roland Frazier here. If you're looking for a way to grow your business exponentially, to get more customers and ultimately increase your wealth, there's no faster way to do it than to acquire other businesses that already have the customers, products, services, teams, and media that you want. If you want to double your sales, just acquire a company that has the same sales as yours. It sounds simple, but far too many people end up starting new businesses that fail and forget that they could skip all the hard stuff and just acquire one that already exists. There's a reason why private equity firms, family offices, big companies like Apple, Google, and some of the smartest entrepreneurs on the planet do not start new businesses from scratch. They acquire already successful businesses. And when they do it, they instantly increase their sales, their profits. If they want market share, they increase that. They can get new products and services to offer all instantly. Hey, look, 90% of new businesses fail. 90%. Why not acquire an already successful business and increase your chances of success by 900%? What most people don't realize is you can acquire highly profitable businesses with no money out of your own pocket in pretty much any country in the world, regardless of your credit and without having to go find a bunch of investors or needing any experience. Look, I've been acquiring businesses for over 30 years now, and I cover the whole process in my epic investing strategy training, and I want to give it to you 100% free. Just visit businesslaunchpodcast.com forward slash epic to get your free access to my epic investing training right now while it's available.